Hey, this is Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 44. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. Today we're going to talk about a super grindy deck played by a super grindy player that just goes forever and ever and ever until you feel like a zombie with roots growing out of it. Now hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan. We're back for another Whirlwind Adventure. How you doing, man? I'm good. What's going down? Whole bunch. We are continuing on with our arc of... Friendship. With our deck, with a deck... I should say. Yep. From our buddy Evan, F.U. Evan. He was recently in uh, Botswana. Yeah. Oh, no. Was he in, like, uh, Uzbekistan? Latvia. Yeah, somewhere. Somewhere. He was somewhere for a while doing something. But he's back now, and he gave us a deck list to do on the show today. Yes, but before we do... Social media coordinates? We are CCO Podcast on Twitter and tappedout.net. That's where you can see this deck and any deck that we've talked about in the past or will talk about in the future. We are commandercookout at gmail.com. That's where you can send show suggestions, deck lists, questions, comments, fan mail, hate mail, no nudes. Or you could send nudes. We're also Commander Cookout on iTunes, Google Play, Google Machine, edhrec.com, Commander Society, YouTube, Patreon, and I think that's it. And Podomatic. And Podomatic, where we are very close to taking down the scrapbooking ninnies. Yes, they're going down. We are very close. So thanks for your support. Speaking of patron, we've got a couple new patron shout shout outs and a couple new Podomatic followers, which is just as important. As patron, if patron helps us financially, Podomatic followers help us scrapbooking ninnily. Oh, I like that. That's a good word. Yes. So, Craig Adams and George Wall, new followers on Podomatic, thank you very much. You're helping us move up the rankings to take down the scrapbooking ninnies, and that would mean if we pull ahead of them, we might get a Wizards preview card before the ninnies do. That would be sweet ass. I'll bet you they get preview cards every set. They don't even know what they do with them. They just glue them into a book. Yes, that is probably what they do. Yeah, they're probably like, I wonder what this deck master is. I hate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, patron shout outs. Also, George Wall. I like this George Wall guy. He he follows us and he patrons us. Thanks, man. Needs a better nickname. There was a wrestler called The Wall. You know where he was from? China? Berlin. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, got Ooh, there. Yeah. And also, Jacob Anderson patroned us as well. Thanks, Jake. Yep. The snake? Yes. I also, totally lifted that from somewhere else. Also wrestling? Also wrestling, yes. But it's good. So good on you, all of you. And um, contest. Contest. We are giving away Perforos and Friends. Yep, Perforos and Friends pack next week. We'll run over the uh, included cards here again, just real quick. So we've got Perforos, God of the Forge, Impact Tremors, Goblin Bombardment, Foil Goblin Slide, Mere Incubator, Furnace of Wrath, Mir Battlesphere, one of my personal favorites. Warstorm Surge, and another one of my personal favorites, Urza's Rage from Invasion. Anybody who likes, follows, supports the show in any kind of way, you're entered in the hat. Help us get out there. Share the show. We don't have a Facebook page yet, and it's not really kosher for us to go onto any EDH Facebook groups and say, hey, listen to our podcast. But if somebody from CCO Nation wanted to do it, hey, I'm not going to stop you. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well... Just because we don't like to be cheap shells for ourselves, it doesn't mean that we don't like it when other people do it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Okay. So if you want to do that, that's cool. If not, hey, that's cool too. Thanks for listening anyway. Okay, so we've plowed through that pretty quickly. Any any new builds? Any new things that you're working on? Actually, yes. And mm-hmm. I wanted to throw this out to CCO Nation. I'm building cats. I mentioned that earlier, and I'm having a really hard time. Not because I don't know how to build a deck, but because I'm really torn between that really streamlined 
do 20 damage, beat up one other person with my cats, and then just building like a big swingy thing with a bunch of like high end equipment and yeah, or, high or, like big mana costing cats that run off of equipment. And I'm not sure what direction to take. Like go go tall or go wide, like tokens or Voltron type thing, right? Yeah, and I'm not sure what to do. So I'm looking for suggestions. So if anybody has some kind of spicy includes, because I'm having a hard time with it, I'd appreciate any help. And yeah. you can do that by uh, commandercookout at gmail.com, at CCO Podcast, or your Twitter. You change your name, CCO yep. Brando. CCO Brando on Twitter. You can search that. You'll find me. I'm. Probably less on there than Ryan is on the actual official CCO podcast one, but I'm kind of fun sometimes. I talk about wrestling and things that I don't like. Yeah, and I think your Twitter account is wholeheartedly separate from your um, your work account, your public image that you have to uphold or else your work will get mad at you. It certainly is, because I've gotten <laughs> in lots of trouble for my social media presence uh, in the past. So <laughs> I've kept my social media, or at least my Twitter, totally separate from work, so... Yes. I can say a little bit more things, which I like. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. we'll, I can that's actually we'll criticize things on there, which I, I enjoy. Okay, very good. So you're building cats. I've been tweaking Balthor the Defiled. Maybe he'll make an appearance in the upcoming arc. Ooh, teaser, saying. teaser, teaser. He might. And also Lord of Tressorhorn. I got him built on, uh, he's private still on our tapped out page, but I think it's close. It's oh, so nice. close. It's close. I have a really cool story, and I think anybody who's ever gone to their local game store to buy cards from a new set oh, yeah, yeah. will appreciate this story. So I rolled into, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them a plug, Collector's Lane here in town, Aaron and Byron were working at the time. It's a cool store. And big fans of going to your local game store instead of pre-ordering or what have you, right? Go in, dig through boxes, get people to, you know, interact with people. That's part of what CCO Nation is, is going out and having fun with people. Yeah, well, Magic doesn't even exist without the local game store, really, because if they go out of business, then Wizards has nobody to sell to, we have no cards, and it just all trickles down, and it rots. Yeah, F those guys. So I rolled in to buy these cards, and they just opened all their stuff, they just put it in, and I'm looking for, I forget the name right now, the 9-9 for 9 that untaps itself, the Um, super big dinosaur. Zakama. Zakama. Didn't have one. They did have one, but it was on hold for somebody else who sent in a list actually go to the store bud come on now <laughs> i was actually i tried to convince them to just sell me that one they wouldn't whatever so we went through we went through i picked out all my stuff that i got i got all my singles i bought a playset of two things from this set crazy Whoa. i bought the explore dinosaur and that super broken red guy yeah well it's a Kobe. good everybody's been saying it's such a good set for commander it's a good EDH and it's set. tribal man so everybody likes tribal right yes sir and dinosaurs are cool every yeah. magic playing boy's wet dream for the last whatever many years yes sir so I'm talking to Byron. Byron's there. I've been there for like 45 minutes, just kind of shooting the shit. And I'm kind of bummed I didn't get my my big dinosaur, but whatever. It's it's a thing. Mm. I can I'll have another chance, guaranteed. So Aaron walks in. Aaron owns the place, and then we're all talking. And I told him, "Hey, I'm looking for this card." He told me that he had one on hold, but he couldn't sell it to me. So he says, "Brando, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm going to get you one. I'm going to get you one right now." And I said, "Sweet. How are you going to do that?" And he went over to the counter and he pulls out one of those pre-order like pre-release packs that have the six packs and everything oh yeah and he says there's one right here and he just puts it on the counter opens it up pulls a pack out rare there it is there it is so sick he's like see i told you i get you it was was so perfect and it was just like boop unwrap unwrap open first pack it was like a repack and he knew it was there no way it was awesome he knew a mythic was just randomly in that pack yep and he just unsealed it right there took the wrapper off and that was it so good it was super cool so thanks Aaron and Clitters Lane and I'm sure anybody who's ever experienced that kind of thing 
can appreciate that. In as the CCO Nation, story. we would call that mucho excelente. Yes, we would. Yeah. So okay. what are we actually talking yeah, about today? We, we are talking about our friend Evan, his, what is it, Masaryk Crawl Death Priest? Masaryk Crawl Death Priest. Got there. Give him a read. Let's find out what this guy does. Masaryk Crawl Death Priest is a 2-2 two, two for 3 black green. 2-2 uh, two, two for 5. With flying. What the hell are you flying for? Anyway. Whenever a player sacrifices another permanent, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. He's an insect shaman. That's why he has flying. He has little, little bug scraggly wings. ass wings. Yeah. Actually, the art is pretty cool. It's kind of tough to figure out exactly what's going on, but it is it is really nice. Yeah. I like that picture a lot. Now, of Masaryk, whenever another... Whenever a player sacrifices yeah, you, another Yeah, you did permanent. the same thing that I yeah. just did. Yeah. It's whenever a player. It's not whenever you or not whenever another. It's whenever a player, anybody. Yep, sacks anything. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature. It's kind of like Cathar's Crusade, except yeah. in different colors and when they die. And kind of better. because so It's like the opposite of Cathar's Crusade. Because you sack a fetch land and all your guys get bigger. Sacks another permanent. Yeah. It's not even a creature. Yeah. Oh my God. This thing's ridiculous. Yeah, he is ridiculous. <laughs> he goes in five color, 63 land dot deck because the togs sacrifice all your lands and then all your togs get giant. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah, everything of goes in that deck. Does. That yeah. deck has like 20 cards in it, but every card is every card we ever talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's green black, so you think it might be a little bit grindy, a little bit graveyardy, and you would be right. You'd and be it's sacrificey, so you think you're going to have lots of creatures to sack. Tokens, you would be right. Let's get into it. Creatures. 30 creatures, and Masaryk equals 31. Yes, so we're going to bang through these real quick, so let's do this. We're going to start with Airy Ophis. What the... F <laughs> Just because that's ridiculous. What the hell is an Ophi? It's from... Or isn't it Oof? Oof. I don't know what it Airy is. Airy Oof. An Oof. Let's call it that Airy Oof. It sacrifices something to deal damage to flyers, and it has persist. So it eliminates flyers. And just so everybody knows, Masaryk puts plus one, plus one counters on stuff, so it can go infinite with persist guys. When they enter the battle, or sorry, when they die, bring them back and put a minus one counter on them. When they die again, if they have a counter on them, they stay dead. But because they get Is that a how plus that works? One, yes, the when counters they, cancel each other out. They don't just have a minus one. The and counters a plus cancel themselves out. So if you sacrifice something else with Masaryk in play, when Airy Oofs has a minus one on it, you can sacrifice the Oofs after it gets its plus one for Masaryk to bring it back immediately. Sacrifice something else. It gets a plus one. Important to note. Important that Evan doesn't. Um, he doesn't have any of those infinite combos in there because that's not really what our group does. Neat. Yeah. All right. Let's let's keep her going here. We got. Archfiend of Depravity. That makes everybody sacrifice their creatures. And it's a 5-4 for 5 flyer. Bird of Paradise. Bird of Paradise. Mana Dork. Brood Monitor. Brood Monitor gives you Eldrazi Scions when it enters the battlefield, I believe. It does. And it's a 3-3 three, three for 6. Yep. How about a Catacomb Sifter? I believe that gives you Scions when it enters the battlefield as well. 2-3-4-3. Three, three. Caustic Caterpillar. Caustic Caterpillar. A competitive EDH staple because it gets around Torpor Orb, is a 1-1 one, one for green, and you pay one and a green, sacrifice, caustic caterpillar, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Also a really neat picture in foil. It's not yes. actually that good, but in foil. Kind of like Bond Beetle. 
Yeah. Him and his buddy Caustic Caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs> they all have alliteration. Corpse Jack Menace. If a plus one was put on something, put two plus ones on it instead. They call that Angry Vagina, right? Is that the card, the Angry Vagina Monster? We certainly call it Angry Vagina Monster. I don't know who they are or if they do, but... Well, I figured that was like a, like a wider spread a thing. synonymous term with... CCO um, Nation, you ever heard somebody call him that before? I... I have called people that before that yeah. aren't that card. Does that definitely. count? I think that might count. I use a little bit sharper of a word. Starts with a C. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> Next creature, Decimator of the Provinces. Oh, I love this guy. This is Budget Crater Hoof Behemoth. He's a 7-7. Seven, seven. When he enters the battlefield, all creatures you control gain plus two, plus two, and trample. He's got trample and haste and emerge. First emerge card we've ever talked about. Green, yeah. green, green, six. And then read emerge. Emerge is... You may cast this spell for its emerge cost and sack a dude, and the emerge cost is reduced by the casting cost of the creature. Yeah, so if the creature costs six and the emerge cost is green, 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 six, you go green, 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 decimator of the provinces. All my dudes get plus two, plus two. I've never seen that card before. I love it. I've never seen it before. Next up, Emrakul's Evangel. You tap him to make 3-2 uh, Eldrazi horror creature tokens. He's a token generator. Eyeless Watcher. He is an enter the battlefield, get two 1-1 one, one Scion creature tokens. And he's a 1-1 one, one for four. Yeah. Fleshbag Marauder. Ooh, yeah, Fleshbag Marauder and also Merciless Executioner are the same card functionally. They're three ones for three when they enter the battlefield. Each player sacks a creature. How about a... Corzada, wait, Corazda Guildmage. Corazda Guildmage is the, uh, what are they? Uh, what's the what's the guild that word? Golgari. Gargothe. Golgari? <laughs> Guildmage? They put plus one, plus one, and intimidate, or sacrifice creature, get X creatures where the creature that you sacrifice, it's toughness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Kozilek's Predator. He gives you an Eldrazi Scion. No, Eldrazi Spawn. Yes, and he has a 3-3-4. Three, three, Next up, we have Merciless Executioner. We already talked about him. Functional reprint of uh, Douchebag Marauder. Yes. I love Michaeloth. Michaeloth got Devour 2, so he is a 4-4 four, four for Green Green 3, Devour 2. When he enters the battlefield, you put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on him, times 2 for each creature that he eats. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you get a Sapperling for each plus 1, plus 1 counter on him. And when you sacrifice creatures when you have Masaryk in play, Michaeloth gets gigantic and he makes so many saprolings. What a piece of shit. So many. Next up, Nest Invader. Gives you an Eldrazi spawn. 2-2 two, two for 2. Ophiomancer. Ophiomancer gives you snake tokens and he's a 2-2 two, two for 3. Pitiless Plunderer. Pitiless Plunderer is the combo player's gift. From Rivals of Ixalan. So it is a 1-4 for Black 3 Pirate, human. Whenever another creature you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, whenever it dies, you get a black mana. Sorry, you get a you get a treasure that you can sacrifice for a mana. In most cases, you sacrifice it for a black, and you can recast things from your graveyard like a uh, Gravecrawler. Might see, uh, might see an episode of CCO Podcast like that in the near future, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Runamap Excavator. That is Crucible of Worlds on legs, except he doesn't have legs because he's a snake, but he has legs because he's a naga, not a snake. <laughs> <laughs> he's a 2-3 three for 3, and you can play Lance from your graveyard. Next up is Raybon Last of the Abzon. It has partners. I have no idea what it does after that. I don't think I care what it does after this because there's so much text on this card. We're going to read her later. 
Next up is Sakura Tribe Elder. Mana Dork. Scion Summoner. That guy gives you Eldrazi Scions when he enters the battlefield. 2-2 two, two for 3. Shriek Maw. That's kill spell on a creature. 3-2 for 5. Sifter of Skulls. That guy is like Pitiless Plunderer when a creature dies that you control, you get a 1-1 one, one Eldrazi Scion. And I think now is time to note that Scions and Spawns are creature tokens. The Scion is a 1-1, one, one. the Spawn is a 0-1. You can sacrifice them to get a colorless mana. Yes. So every time I've said thus far, and every time I'm going to say in the future, you get a Scion or a Spawn, that's a creature that also gives you a mana immediately. Yes. And this creature that we're talking about now is a 4-3-4. Smothering Abomination. Oh, here is one of the good ones. So black, black, two for a flying guy, uh, flying 4-3, that at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature. Whenever you sack a creature, draw a card. Also, when you sacrifice a creature, all your other creatures get plus one, plus one from Azeric. Dear Lord. Yes. Next up, Sylvan Safekeeper. Sacrifice a land, target creature you control gains shroud until end of turn, 1-1. One, one. For one, Tender Shoot Dryad. Ooh, here's another Rivals Ixalan special. Green, four, Ascend. So if you control ten or more permanents, you get the city's blessing. That's what Ascend is. Yes, and you have it then forever. Forever. And if you have it, Sapperling creatures you control get plus two, plus two. That's what this card does. Also, at the beginning of each upkeep, get a Sapperling. Each upkeep. Each upkeep. So four or five Sapperlings per round of the table. Lordy, lordy. Next yep. up, Tireless Tracker. We've talked about this guy before. Yeah, we've talked about Tireless Tracker before. Whenever a land enters a battlefield, you can investigate, which is get an artifact that you can sack, pay two, draw a card. Yes. Yep. So it's another thing that makes permanence that you can sack. Yep. Uh, winding Constrictor. That's if a token or a counter would go on something, you put another one, right? Kind of like Vagina Menace, but yes. different. And he's a 2-3-2. Uh, two, and finally, we have a Zulaport Cutthroat because Evan is a douche. Oh, I love me some Zulaport Cutthroat. Zulaport, Zuli! Zulaport Cutthroat, whenever another creature you control dies, each opponent loses a life, you gain a life. He's a 1-1 one, one for 2. And then I guess we should, should we go back and read that Abzan lady? Maybe yeah, she's important. Yeah, Hang on, let me get in close. Rayhan, the last of the Abzan, enters the battlefield with 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. Whenever a creature you control dies or is put into the command zone, if it had one or more counters on it, plus one, plus one counters on it, you may put that many plus one, plus one counters on target creatures. So it takes all your great big beefy dudes, and when they die, your other beefy dudes become beefier dudes. Lots of creatures. Certainly a creature-heavy attacking token-style deck. If we get into all of the support cards for it, we see six instants and six sorceries, and those are there for, I'm going to say, removal's sake in the instant section. Uh, I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, six removal cards. So six of six are removal spells. Uh-huh. And in the sorcery section, I'm seeing ramp, token production, or removal. Also correct. So those are there for, I guess, support of your strategy, support of beating in with your token army when you've created one. Man, smallpox with Mazarect is a real beating, yes. isn't it? Yes, yes. Wow, why doesn't he play regular Pox? That's my question to Evan, is why aren't you playing Pox Pox? Yeah, Evan. Or Smokestacks. Or is he playing Smokestacks? No, no Smokestacks. But I do love me some Smokestacks, also in the Togatog land deck. (laughs) (laughs) Enchantments, 11. So this is where some of the bread and butter of the um, the deck comes from. (laughs) This is where your bread gets buttered. This is where your bread gets buttered. 
buttered. Okay, we'll go through these kind of quick too, and we'll go back and talk about some one, some of the other ones in detail in a bit. In a second. So we'll start with attrition. His three drop enchantment, black one, sack a dude, destroy target creature. Awakening zone. Creature. Gives you a scion during your upkeep. Spawn. Spawn during, during your upkeep. For three. Dictate of Erebos. Dictate of Erebos and Grave Pact are both in there. Whenever you sack, uh, whenever a creature you control dies, everybody else sacks creature as well. We all know doubling season. Doubles the amount of counters and tokens you're going to get. From beyond. Is uh, Awakening Zone the second. Hardened Scales. Hardened Scales is an enchantment for green that puts an additional plus one plus one counter on something. Journey to Eternity. Journey to Eternity is a new one from Rivals of Ixalan. So um, it's an enchanted creature you control. When an enchanted creature dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control and... No, return... Uh, when the creature it's enchanting dies, you return the enchantment to play. Oh. Ta uh, transformed, and it turns into a land that I think... It turns into a land stuff. that you pay... F it comes back as Cave of Eternity, or... Atzal, Cave of Eternity, it adds, it, you tap it at one mana of any color, or you can tap green, black, three, and it, return tart creature card from your graveyard to play. Yes, so that creature that you sacrifice to make everybody else sacrifice with your grave pack effect and get a bunch of plus ones on Masaryk and your team comes right back and you can sacrifice it again. Is that a throwback to another land? Is there another land that does that? Because a lot of these cards kind of are throwbacks, like Gaia's Cradle. I don't Larry know Academy. which one that one is. Is that a land that... I don't know which one that is. Yeah. CCO Nation. Again, if you let know what know. land that's supposed to be, let us know. For sure. Okay, then we've got a Necrogenesis. It's exile two creature cards from a graveyard. Exile a creature card from a graveyard. Get a 1-1 one, one green sapperling. Then we've got Parallel Lives. It's essentially doubling season, but it only doubles creature tokens, not plus one, plus one, minus one, minus one counters. Yeah. And lastly, we have Phyrexian Reclamation. That is a enchantment for one again. I like the one drop enchantments. Hey, the one and two drop enchantments? Solid. Solid. It is pay two life and two mana. Return target creature from your graveyard to your hand. Pretty good. So you sacrifice and you return it. Sacrifice, you return it. Sacrifice, you hand. Yeah, I play that in Hirobi to keep Hirobi cheap. Artifacts. We're looking at nine artifacts. We'll go through them quick as well because uh, lots of text on some on this first one. Anyways, it's animation module, so it's an artifact for one. I like the low cost theme again. We're we're gonna see it repeated throughout the artifacts. Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are placed on a creature you control, you can pay one. If you do, you put a one one servo creature token into play. That's the important part. The other thing it does is three tap. Choose a counter on a target creature or permanent, and then put another one on it. Yeah, so you can. It's kind of like little. What's her name? Little Atraxa. Yeah. yeah. Fu. Tap Atraxa. Next up, we got Ashnod's Altar. Sack S things for two colorless mana. Yeah. Birthing Pod. It's a. Sack things to get bigger things. Tutor. Yeah. Uh, Eldrazi Monument makes your dudes indestructible and is a sack outlet. Golgari Signet. Is a is the Golgari Signet. One, tap it for green and black. Then we got Greaves. We all know Greaves. We got uh, Oketra's Monument. Like those. They make... That's the black one, is it? No, that's the white one. Is it the white one? It's the white one. Yeah, it's the white one, and I think it should be the black one. It makes your white spells cost one less. Obviously, that has no effect on this deck. Whenever you cast a creature spell, you get a 1-1 one, one white warrior creature token with vigilance. Obviously, that's why it's in the deck, because it's a token deck. 
but the black one is essentially Zulaport Cutthroat number two. And it makes your black spells cost less, which is something in this deck. I know that's relevant. It makes Mazurk cost less at the very least. Next up we have Phyrexian Vault. Sacrifice uh, creature, tap it, pay two, draw a card. And Skull Clamp. Obviously we know what Skull Clamp does. You draw Clamp it, it dies, you draw two cards. The Very point good. the point on a lot of these is it either makes tokens or it sends something to the graveyard. Virtually everything that we've read in the last five minutes does that. Tutors? Looks like we got one tutor because that's the um, birthing pod. Birthing pod. Birthing pod's a tutor. We've got 36 land, so a little bit... Uh, I guess that's right where you want to be, right? I think that's pretty right. We have a fairly low curve here. Any sweet lands of note? Don't disappoint us, Evan. We've got a Phyrexian Tower in there. That's a sacrifice outlet on a land. He's got a spawning pool. You sacrifice the land to give yourself some Eldrazi Scions. That's spawning bed. Spawning bed. Sorry, not spawning pool. That's spawning pool makes skeletons. That's a skeleton one. Yeah, that's right. We've got a Tomb of Arami. And I hate that. But yeah, I don't like this card at all. Why is it in there? Because it sacrifices all of your land. Why do you want to do that? Because it puts counters on all your stuff. Oh, because it's that, permanent. It's the big finisher at the end where you can... Oh, dang, that's the all-in finisher. Okay, yeah. I love that card now. That's the one where they do that, and then you flash a route, and then Evan packs up his cards, and he goes home. Because <laughs> I feel like that would be the best thing. There's nothing better than that. I don't think there's any better play you could ever make against this deck. Than flashing in a route. Yeah. Flashing a route in response to Tomb of Arami. Let's read Tomb of Arami real quick. Yep. Add a black mana to your mana pool, and it deals one damage to you if you don't control an ogre. There's no ogres in the deck, so obviously you're going to take a little bit of damage. Now, you can also pay black, black, two, s tap, sack, all lands you control to put a legendary 5-5 five, five black demon spirit creature token with flying... Named Arami into play. Still not an ogre. So if not you crucible it back into play, you'd still take damage and you'd tap it. Yes. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see why I can see why it's there. I just feel like it would be just so effing awesome to do that and then just like ah get wrecked. Yes, very much so. You ever been killed? Yes. <laughs> you ever been killed? Yeah. You want to be? Sacrifice all your own damn lands. He's got a high market in there as well. Tap, sack it, you gain one life. A sack a creature. Sack a creature. Yeah, that's what I meant. You could also fit a diamond valley in here if you have the 300 American dollars to play it. Yes. That's... Isn't there an enchantment that turns into a... There is a diamond valley enchantment. It's the black one from Ixalan that has greed on one side. If you have five or less life, flip it turns into Diamond Valley. Oh, maybe, that's terrible. Though. Maybe that has a home in here. I don't think so. I don't think Th so. That, that card is awful. Maybe ADH. if you run Necropotence in this deck. I don't know, man. I still think it's terrible. Yeah, it's that, there's no way of saving that. It's like playing Death Shadow in EDH. It's just a bad idea. Yeah. What if that card said, flip it when you have half as much life as your starting life total? That would make it possibly playable. Still not very good, though, I don't think. Significantly better still only makes it possibly playable. Yeah. And it's That's the one they released in From card. the Vault. What the ass. Yeah, what the hell? What the hell were they thinking? God damn it. I bought that, and I looked at it, and it's just like, why are you here? And it went right into my trade binder. Yeah. And I'll never trade it, because nobody's ever going to want that card. I might want it. Well, I got one. I'll make a terrible deck out of it. Excellent. We'll and then I'll the show. beat you with it. Not a chance. I'll animate it and I'll attack you with this shitty enchantment that you hate. <laughs> okay, so we're looking at card draws. There is plenty of ways to gain card advantage. 
on board, let's call it board advantage, virtual card advantage with stuff like, what's the card, Grave Pact, right? I sacrifice my dude, everybody else sacrifices a dude. Yes. That's detrimental for you, but I've sacrificed it for some meaningful gain like mana or other cards. So do you need much more card draw than the two that are in there? You probably do. So do you need more than two card draws? I don't think so. The game, the deck more runs on stuff that's in the, on the board anyway. And or in the graveyard. Yes. Because so you I get feel stuff like, back. Yeah, I think that you kind of got enough synergies going on where you don't need a whole ton of tutors even, really, because most of your stuff all kind of does the same stuff. Either so enter all your, the battlefield or leave the battlefield is going to do something. Yeah, your redundancy is built right into the deck, which I think is really cool. Okay. Targeted removal. We've got nine. Ooh. Some of it being fairly non-conventional, but really good in this deck. I'm thinking of something like uh, Tragic Slip, which is a black instant for black. Target creature gets minus one, minus one. Sounds terrible, but it also has Morbid. That creature gets minus 13, minus 13 instead if a creature died this turn. So how do you make a creature die? Well, you sacrifice one of your own to make your team bigger. Then you just wreck someone's day. Yeah. By making good. them slip into a Duggan grave. Yeah. <laughs> cool picture. That is a pretty... I, I, to... I altered one of those one time with one of those little sandwich, like those yellow sandwich boards that you see at like convenience stores and stuff that right. says slippery, don't walk. Nice. Hey, he's slipping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So a little bit unconventional, but still awesome because you can control when creatures die. It's solid in this deck, so very good. Yeah. One mana killed pretty much anything. And it's like minus, so it gets around... Like that, that thing can kill a dark steel or a blight steel colossus, mm -hmm. right? Gets around indestructibility. Okay, mass removal. We've got nine, and I've included the everybody sack of sacrifice a dude cards. in this deck. It kind of does. Yeah, you're using one card to get four or five, right? Mm -hmm. So you play your heaven forbid you got your grave pact effect out when you have your flesh bag marauder. So you cast your flesh bag marauder, and everybody sacrifices a creature, right? Then you, you sacrifice, sacrifice the Fleshbag Marauder and Grave Pack triggers everybody else to sacrifice another creature. Yeah. So you've spent one card plus Grave Pack to make everybody else sacrifice two. How many creatures is that? Eight? It's pretty good. Ten if you're in a five or six player game, whatever, right? It's very good. Six if you're in a four player game. Ramp spells. We've got four dedicated ramp and I highlighted spells. We're looking at the... Awakening zone and the what's the other awakening zone? From beyond. From beyond. Every upkeep you're gonna get a dude that you can sacrifice for mana. And then you've also got some more standard ones, I guess. You got growth spasm. It's kind of like a ramp. No, it's not rampant growth. <coughs> it's cultivate, but instead of getting your second land into your hand, you get an Eldrazi spawn, which yep. you can sack for a uh, thing. We got a rampant growth, which is everybody knows rampant growth. Rampant growth is the reason it's called ramp. Yeah. <laughs> And then we've I I guess we could maybe count Skittering Invasion. Would you count Skittering Invasion? I did count it because you cast it and you like so sorcery for seven. You get five spawns that you and can you sac can sacrifice them for mana. I think the turn after, like if that's a turn five or six play based on your ramp or mana situation, the next turn you're going to have way more mana. It so could be a it could I be a ramp or a mass removal spell. Depending on your board state. Yeah. It's a very versatile card. Yeah, I you, you pay seven again with that Grave Pact effect, and then you just sacrifice all the dudes, and they sacrifice all their dudes. Hey, Evan, I have a foil one if you'd like to trade for it. Ooh. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Okay, so mana rocks and dorks. This is where you're going to see a lot of the mana production come from. There's 11 of them. 
I'm assuming you counted all of the dudes that put spawns into play. I did. And not dudes that tap for mana. Because there's only one dude that actually taps for mana. Correct. That would be the Birds of Paradise. But Correct. there's all those guys that put spawns and scions into play when they enter the battlefield. Those guys, you can just sacrifice them for more mana after. Um, with like Ashnod's altar or whatever. And I assume that a Phyrexian altar would go in this deck as well if the, maybe Evan didn't have the budget for it because it's like 30-some bucks. There's lots of money. Yeah. And it's tricky to come by. And Ashnod's altar works just as good, I guess. Just as good or, or better because there's lots of artifacts in here and, and it's only a two-color deck, so I think that's fine. Agreed. So the deck feels very much like a kind of staxy token base. It, it, it It's keeping people off of their game plan by making them sacrifice. There's lots of removal. And, of course, there's lots of things to put in the way of attackers, right? So lots of tokens means you're not going to get attacked lots because what's one sapperling token when somebody's attacking you with? Especially when that one sapperling token is going to make all your other dudes bigger. Yes, or is already bigger itself. Yeah. Yeah. Attack this deck with first strike at your peril. And I guess just for the record, there are nine sacrifice creature things. It's lots. And that is lots because like that's a repeatable effect that stays on the table. It's not like you cast a spell that says sacrifice a guy, get something. No, these are all things that stick around. And a lot if, of these and a lot of these creatures have sacrificed this creature on them. Yeah, and lots of those nine are actually creatures, right? Nine one drops in the deck. If we get into the kind of little bit of a lines of play or how to play section, really good considering it takes 10 cards to be over that 50% chance to get it in your opening hand. So when you've got nine one drops, one out of every two games, you're going to cast something on turn one. That's always fun. There's 12 two drops, nine of which you would actually want to play on turn two. So again, (laughs) you're almost guaranteed, or one out of every two games, which is lots, to Hit your one drop, hit your two drop. I should have mentioned as well, all of the one drops in the deck feasibly could be played on turn one. It's not like one of them was like a path to exile or something that you don't want to cast on turn one. Yeah, just the tragic slip. Yeah, that's the only one. But tragic slip on turn one is going to get their mana dork. Yep. And that's not... That's not negligible. That's not negligible. That's very if good. you get Animar's turn one and Animar's like a competitive deck, if you tragic slip my Birds of Paradise and Animar... It ruins my whole day because now I don't do turn two Animar, turn three win. It slows me down by 25% hitting that mana rock or that dork on turn one. It's pretty good. So tragic slip on turn one is actually an important part of playing that card as it has that functionality. Turn three, start to gain some advantage. Flesh bag, Marauder, Merciless Executioners, or some kind of token engine or repeatable effect. Something that you can start to leverage slowly over the game. And um, very Evan to have something like that included. Yes. And very much slows the game down when you have to resolve all of these triggers, Evan. Yeah. See, we talked about, the, like, reading through the list, everybody's probably thinking, yeah, well, that's whatever. You sack a dude, you throw some counters out. But for some reason... For some unfathomable reason, <laughs> I've been in games where this, like, the deck doesn't do anything for so long, and he's taking these really long turns, and he's got these little stacks of counters and all these creatures, and you think, well, what the hell? Where did those come from? Why is this going on? What are you doing? Did you play a tutor? Why are you looking through that pile of cards? Why do you need to know what's in your graveyard right now? What are you doing? Just attack me and get it over with. And the turns take so goddamn long. Sometimes the best uh, course of action is just, if you got five six-sixes, start swinging and beating wholesale ass. Swing with some six-sixes. Don't try and 
don't try and wring out that last tiny drop of value and either put yourself at risk for taking a long turn and pissing people off or, you know, five, six, sixes, and you're trying to get it out. You're trying to get, oh, there it is. There's my 10 six sixes. And all of a sudden somebody wraths and you've used all your resources because you've overextended when really five, six, sixes would have been it. Next turn, decimator of the provinces. Now you got like six, eight, eights. And it's like, okay, the game is over. Sometimes yeah. you just have to win instead of slow playing. And I think that's maybe one of the things that uh, characterizes um, Evan as a player. He looks for value in every play that he makes. And he's always trying to really optimize what he's doing. And I think in some cases he misses some of those obvious plays. And politically, that's not necessarily the best thing I, to do. I like that. Yeah, when you, you're doing that, you lose a lot of your ability to leverage situations yes bleed a little bit of value to make somebody else bleed a lot of life yeah <laughs> right exactly like, just go for it and there's reasons like that that whole value seeking thing why joel always kills evan first yes yeah, joel kills evan like i kill jesse Ooh, which is often at first we should make like a big um like a big spider web type graph of who kills who and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very complex dynamic that we play in. Yes. You need to know who's going to kill you and who to kill yeah, first. There are you... certain games where you can sit down and be like, I'm totally safe. <laughs> yes. Nothing is going to happen to me. I can do whatever I want because there is nobody paying attention to what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I think, I think the guy that always kills me first is Geoff. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing one of his next week. And he pisses me off because he just arbitrarily attacks me. It's like, dude dude on the other side of the table has got like, he went turn one, land, soul ring, mind stone. Or it's like turn two, he went soul ring, grand arbiter, Augustine the fourth or whatever. And Geoff's like, oh, well, you know, you're playing whatever deck. I think I'm going to attack you. It's like, dude, attack the guy who has the obvious board advantage. Turn one, soul ring, turn one top. It's like, really? That's going to win that guy the game, and you're attacking me. I'm going to kick your ass if you weren't a black belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to drive past your house with a paintball gun and shoot it all up. See, and then you attack him, and that other guy is sitting there. It's and probably, then I'm the bad guy. Yeah, and then you're the piece of shit. God, See, son of politics, bitch. Evan, learn them. CCO Nation, you learn them politics yes. too. And the other thing, just because we're talking about like five, six, six threats and stuff, Threat assessment. We were having a text message conversation, you and I, the other day yep. about, uh, uh, I guess, just exactly the um, the example I just gave. Guy with turn one solar ring. Okay, you're not going to attack him for the win on your turn one, but maybe on your turn two, you hit him for one. Maybe on your turn three, you hit him for two, three, four, five. Maybe you irk out because he had the turn one soul ring and is obviously in a better board state than you. You hit him for four or five. Sometimes... And more often than you think, actually, four or five is, like, enough for by turn 10. Well, what's everybody at? Okay, 12, 15, 8, 2. That's, a, that's an earthquake a cane win. That's an earthquake a cane. You're going to die because you're going to take two, and I'm at eight. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So uh, threat assessment and politics, you got to leverage them, particularly when you're playing a grindy kind of graveyardy staxy deck like this because yeah, people don't like what this deck is doing to them in the first place and it just does and does and does and does and, and it's, does it's right? never ending it's like a swarm of insects like those fire ants that just come into your farm and eat all your food and your family and you and then tap for one to deal one damage to each creature you control to each other creature period yes except itself including thanks, all your dinosaurs thanks urza block <laughs> 
okay, so after turn four, sorry, after turn three, turn four, five, you want Masaryk, and you want him like now. And when you have him, because he's a five drop, you potentially, theoretically, whatever you want to say, should have a sacrifice outlet already. So you play him, sacrifice, your guys get bigger. From there, sacrifice, your guys get bigger, attack. Sacrifice, your guys get bigger, attack. Yes, that's a great way to build value and get way more guys, but at this point, you want to get to that late game and start killing people before they can do whatever their late game plan is. And Because we're going to get to it in strengths and weaknesses of this deck. This deck does have a glaring, obvious tactical weakness. I don't know. Do you want to talk about Should we just do it now? Wrath of God. Yeah. <laughs> or, Wrath or, of God or don't let Masaryk hit the table. Anything that stops Masaryk for a length of time shuts the deck off. You want to talk about bleeding value, yeah. right? How good is a... A 2-3 for 6 that puts two zero ones into play. It's not. Not very good. You would good. never play that card in any other situation, probably. Unless you can go 6 mana, sacrifice these two guys. My whole team of 10 guys now are 10-10s. Yes. Right? Yeah, and you're not playing Beastmaster Ascension, so you get that value just by attacking with your little piddly army of dudes. That's right. So without Masaryk, the deck is missing he's the keystone of the deck and if you can keep the deck off of Masaryk, it's not hard to beat i like that it's still a pain in the butt but it's not as scary on any level that it is currently yes. yeah and you know what i i guess and the only other thing i think in addition to Masaryk and sack outlet you might want to prioritize your your doublers because those are that's your engine right your corpse jack menace your from the from beyond or um Awakening Zone, Doubling Season, doubling season that's right. Harden anything Scales, all that stuff. Yeah, anything that's going to give you additional free benefit after your initial mana investment. And that's just going to... Oh, um, Michael Oth is in the same category, right? From yep. the example before, you devour two guys, all of a sudden everything else is bigger and you're getting more Sapperlings. You devour, you sacrifice them, Michael Oth gets bigger, you get more, right? Why does Doubling Season cost so much money? Let me give you an example. With a Michael Oth, you sacrifice... Two sapperlings that you just got from playing cards. Yeah. Michael Oth comes into play with eight plus one plus one counters on him. How does it is come it in eight or is it four? It's eight. Because each one is two, and then it's doubled with doubling season to eight. And then for each plus one plus one counter on him, because you have doubling season on your upkeep, you get sixteen one ones. Yes, and if you sacrificed any of those All of your guys get two more plus one plus one counters, and on and on and on. And that's why Doubling Season is super broken and they'll never reprint it. And Corpse Jack Vagina does kind of the same thing. And Parallel Lives, for Michael Oth, Parallel Lives does the same thing for putting creatures into play during your upkeep. Yes. Or every single upkeep with that new guy from Rivals of Ixalan. What was his name again? Tender Shoot Dryad. Yeah, and Tender Shoot Dryad's two friends, Verdant Force and Verdant Embrace. Not in the deck, but... They, they could go in there. They could. They, yeah. they cost a lot. 7-7 seven, seven for 7 is Verdant Embrace, or Verdant Force, and uh, it's an enchant creature that gives plus 4, plus 4, and Sapperling during every upkeep mm. with Verdant Embrace. Is it surprising to you how quickly Evan managed to get Rivals of Ixalan cards into this deck? Well, he, was in, he was in a time zone from the future. Oh, yeah, right. He was in... Uh, where, Kyrgyzstan or wherever. Yeah. The East, USSR. East India. He might have been there too, yeah. 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 Saudi Arabia. The Persian Empire. Uh-huh. Mesopotamia? Constantinople. Where That's where he was. Where the hell was he? I don't know. <sighs> okay, so let's let's move move forward on the show here. Let's talk about budget. Better options. Different includes. Sure. And 
Keep in mind that I forgot or didn't know or didn't read closely enough that Masaryk is whenever a permanent is sacrificed. <laughs> Holy jeepers, creepers. So Shit. $458 deck. Not too bad. Not Honestly, bad. for how efficient and like, I'm going to say this is a fairly tuned deck that I think would be lots of fun to play. Mm-hmm. Not fun to play against, but it's fun to play. And that's right in your kind of sweet spot of a really good kind of competitive deck. Decimator of Provinces. I just want to touch on this guy just real quick because he is a dollar. And he is your poor man's Crater Hoof Behemoth. Right. If you wanted to run Crater Hoof Behemoth because he's probably better. Definitely better. He costs 17 bucks. And the only reason I say that is they're both mythics, but what isn't a mythic is an overwhelming stampede at 59 cents. It's sorcery, green, green, three. Creatures you control get plus X, plus X, and trample, where X is the largest creature that you control. Good one for this deck because everybody's got like 13 plus one plus one counters on it. I'm not shitting you, CCO Nation. Masaryk will make all of your creatures like 2020s. That's not an exaggeration. Our, our buddy JJ has um, not a Masaryk deck, but it's a... Jared, Gerard, Lich King, King of the Golgari, whatever yeah. the fuck his name is, that plays a Masaryk. He has Masaryk in it, and his creatures are 4040s all the yeah, time. all the damn time. Ugh. Speaking of 4040s, if you have enough money for maybe a Crater Hoof, but don't want to run that, but more money than an Overwhelming Stampede, maybe you want a Triumph of the Hordes. Triumph of the Hordes. Is, I was thinking that as you were talking. Plus one, plus one, and Infect. Because yeah, then all of your 10-10s are win-wins. Win-wins. Yeah. I love win-wins. Okay, Sapperling Producers. If you wanted to go the Sapperling route and maybe take out some of the Eldrazi creatures, like those creatures that cost three, four, five mana that enter the battlefield and just give you two or three spawns or scions, yeah, you can sacrifice the scions or spawns immediately to get your... Eldrazi uh, mana investment back. But if you're wanting to make a token deck, you cut those suckers and you maximize your numbers. I think you do that in green with Sapperlings. Yeah. And Sapperling Symbiosis. Get a Sapperling for each creature you control. Very good. Pay two to make it instant speed. It is the green version of Route. Very good. Or Twilight's Call. Ooh, I <laughs> yeah, like we talk that about one. that one all the time. Yep. Parallel Evolution. Green, 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 two. Get a token for each token you control. So you just double your tokens. And it has flashback. So you sacrifice a bunch of those scions that you still have left. Maybe you didn't cut all of them. And you just cast that spell again. What? <laughs> I, I don't mind that. Sprout Swarm. Everybody knows Sprout Swarm if they played competitively kind of in Time Spiral era. Yep. You get a sapperling. Yeah, you get a sapperling for buyback. It's for green, you get a sapperling. Or green, three, you get a sapperling put it back in your hand. It has convoke or something, doesn't it? That's buyback. Buyback? Oh, it's got buyback and convoke. That's what it has. It has buyback and convoke. So you convoke, you tap your current sapperlings to make it cost free and the buyback free, and then you get it bought back and you just do it again and again and again and again. From different angles. Sprout Swarm, I love it. Spontaneous generation, you get a sapperling for each card in your hand. Now, you have all of these sapperlings, you sacrifice a bunch of them to Ashnod's Altar, get a bunch of mana, you clamp a bunch of them to draw 35 cards, and then you play Spontaneous Generation to get 35 Sapperlings. Pretty good. Let's pretend you have said 35 cards in your hand, and then you, I don't know, cast a little guy called Scourge Familiar. We've talked about him before. Discard a card to get a black. Yep. Why not discard a bunch of cards to exsanguinate everybody off the table? (laughs) That's going to make the deck run so much faster. And... Mm -hmm. 
is an alternate win condition and gives you the um, multiple angles of attack, uh, unique gameplay experience, all the things we talk about. You could also, could you not just, how we talked about JJ, he plays Gerard with Masaryk in it? Could you not play Masaryk with Gerard in it? Yep. Gerard Golgari Lichlord is black, black, green, green for a 2-2 zombie elf. He gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard, less important, but you can play one black and green, sacrifice another creature, each opponent loses life equal to the sacrificed creature's power. Each opponent. So you could sacrifice your 2020 Eldrazi spawn token and just win the game. That's how JJ plays the deck. That's I exactly think that he's a good fit in here, and I think maybe anybody in our playgroup, and he's really budget too, uh, anybody in our playgroup can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Evan doesn't play that card because it's exactly what JJ's deck does to win. I think you might be right. I, th- I think so. But in tuning for outside the group, neat include. Or if you are planning to build this deck, there's a Gerard for you. And, okay, so we're talking about the budget. This is the budget section as well. So five fetch lands. There is five fetch lands because you sacrifice the fetch land and it gets all your creatures bigger. Yes. But it is $142 worth of fetch lands, right? And you could make this deck go down easily to, you know, right around $300 if you cut all of that. Yes. So, I don't know. Do you need them? Is there other lands that you could play? You could play crappy fetch lands, but I think playing the actual fetch lands, that's that going back to Evan looking for value thing, where the fetch lands are the most efficient way you're going to be able to, that's to right. do this. You know how Evan affords this? Evan hasn't played Magic for as long as the rest of us. We bug him for being like 12 years old well, all he, the time. He is like 14. I don't know even how he got his passport. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. Well, here's the thing. Doesn't have wife, <laughs> doesn't have kids. So yeah. he's got all these good decks that he just pumps money into. And goddamn, speaking of all his good decks, <laughs> he's got 109 decks on tapped out. Let's let's give let's give Evan a shameless plug here. Let's get, hit, write this down. G U L A G H A R. That is Evan. That's our friend Evan Gulliger. On Gulliger, Gulliger on tapped out. Yeah. Just check him out. There's lots of decks there. I think his plan at some point is to do the what do you call it, where he has one deck of each color combination, all of which does something different? Yeah, there's like 37 combinations. And he's slowly working towards doing that. Well, he's already times three that. <laughs> in paper, though. He wants to yeah. in paper own them, which, I mean... 109 lists. Good on you. That's Some of them insane. are modern lists. Modern. What a D bag. Anyways, um, notable omission from this deck, I think, Rishkar's expertise. Draw lots of cards due to your biggest creature's power. And then play something for free. That and it's, is a good it's card, like it? it's like a couple bucks only. And works good with my Scourge Familiar example from earlier, just saying. <clears throat> okay. And another thing I'm looking at Wasteland, twenty six bucks. Phyrexian Tower, thirty bucks. Blooming Marsh is just like a like a dual color land. And it's six twenty five, right? Why are all these expensive lands in there? Do they have to be in there? I don't think that they're worth it if you're trying to build the deck budget. Yes, if you're trying to build the dead bu- deck budget, you could cut that tower immediately. Uh, you could probably cut the Blooming Marsh. He probably plays it because he has one. Honestly, it's not a dual land. It's a fast land. Yeah, and... It's the fast land. You know what? I'm, I'm looking at a $26 waste land, and I'm thinking, strip mine's six bucks, eight bucks. And it's better EDH. And if you're only running one land destruction card, why are you running any? Yeah. I mean, I get you, you're afraid of the cradle, but... Maybe. You're probably going to have almost as big a dudes as the cradle. Yeah. Like, the only decks that have cradle in them that you're going to be afraid of are elves, and by the time you get to a point where you're going to effectively stop them by blowing up one land, they've probably killed you already. 
Yes. Or you killed them. <laughs> yeah, or like one of you is dead. Yeah. Evan wouldn't kill you because he plays too slow. <laughs> okay. Phyrexian Tower was the other one there. It's like 30 bucks. Maybe you put Grim Backwoods. It's actually a reanimate spell on a land, or it, it gets a creature back to your hand. Or uh, uh, what was it? Um, Volrath Stronghold? It puts well, that, a dude. that one's 30 bucks too. Oh. Not so budget. Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like maybe Temple of Malady instead of Blooming Marsh. That's the Scry Temple, like Black Green Land. That's probably okay. And for the Scry Lands, if you're not trying to win on turns like two, three, four, five, I think the Scry Lands are better, even though they come into play tapped because they're going to smooth out your draw. And the coming into play tapped on turn one or two or even three doesn't matter that much. It's less relevant. Yeah. That's one of those things where you got to read your play group. I and think that's so. where building land bases becomes complicated. Know thy playgroup so you can build the appropriate number of utility lands in. Correct. Yes. Get your utility lands, kids. I guess if somebody's running um, Strip Mine, Wasteland, Tech Edge, Crucible, Ranamap, es- Excavator, you might not want to play all of those utility lands. Correct. With Blood Moon and Blood Sun and all that jazz. Oh, F Blood Sun. <laughs> F that card. Yeah. And F everybody that says it's awesome. Stupid card. Okay, should we move into strengths and weaknesses? Or, yes. (laughs) Two colors. Keeps mana base pretty low as long as you're willing to cut the stuff that we just said. Including Shizo's Death Storehouse. Nah, you shouldn't cut that. No, I I like that one. I like that one. I like being all in. I love being all in. Okay, token swarm. Good for attacking and blocking profitably. You can stack block. you You can do whatever you want. Lots of play from the graveyard and can play the really grindy stacks game because there's lots of redundancies, as you had touched on earlier. The redundancy is built into the deck, so you don't necessarily even need a whole ton of card draw. Correct, or tutors or any of that stuff. Which black and green are good at. Yeah. Black and green are good at card drawing and tutoring. You know you're playing a pretty good deck when you can ignore one of the strengths of the colors that you're building in. Ooh. Yeah. There's the tweetable right there. Big board presence, lots of um, moving parts, lots of politics involved now that could be a strength or a weakness depending on the player in this particular case as we touched on before i'm going to say it's a weakness because evan's always trying to ring that value out and you know he's trying to ring that value out and even to this point if he started making bad plays on purpose i'll bet you people would beat him up even more because now he's got some kind of sneaky (laughs) fucking backup plan yes and so now he's gonna get beat even worse yep so you screwed yourself evan Yep, you're totally eating a bag of dicks. Okay, Wrath Effects, weakness, destroys the deck because it's going to destroy all your tokens and they fizzle when they hit the graveyard. Correct. All right, so not and, so good. And again, like we talked about before, if you can keep the deck off Masaryk, very, oh very commander-focused. You're going to have a bad night if yep. you can't stick a Masaryk. Very commander-focused might not be such a big deal if you're playing like um, the 1-1 one, the one, one white Dog Voltron deck, what's it? Um, Ishimaru Hound of Conda. Yeah, yeah. General focused. Of course it is. Yeah. It doesn't cost five, then seven, then nine. Yeah, it costs right? one, then right? three, then... Maybe that's there's... why Grim Backwoods is good, because you can let Mazurk go to the graveyard and then just bring him back and cast him like regular. Maybe, yeah. There's and a few cards and that's that that. also why that uh, enchantment... Um... Phyrexian Reclamation? No. Well, oh. yes, that too, but also the new flip card from Rivals is in there. Is so you can let Mazurk go to the graveyard. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) What about graveyard exile effects? (laughs) The deck is weak to that. Yes, it is. (laughs) A bajuka bog, a rest in peace, uh, 
Graph Digger's Cage. There's a new one from the new set that says creatures can't come into play from the graveyard. Yep. Something Tombstone. I got a foil one. It's worth like a buck. Yep. I was really sad. I hate when I have foil dredge hate and it's not worth anything. Damn it. Because I love playing dredge. And besides airy oofs, um, the deck is a little bit weak to flyers, and that kind of is a green thing. Yeah. So this deck's no different. And, I mean, whatever. There's three other players at the table. Maybe they're all weak to flyers. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it has a flyer. Yeah. I've definitely, definitely played games where people are like, flying? What? What is flying? Yep. Or somebody gets a wonder in their graveyard, all of a sudden they're the biggest threat in the world because all their dudes fly? Why are we playing such bad decks? Yeah. Oh. Speaking of bad things, let's go into card, card of the, of the week. week. We haven't talked about this one yet, but we're going to now. It's a land, Westvale Abbey. I love it. Especially what? in this deck. This is a great card in this deck. So here's what it does. Taps for colorless or tap five and it and pay a life to put a 1-1 one, one white and black human cleric creature token onto the battlefield. Okay, fine. You get a token for your five mana. Two tokens if you got like a doubling season or whatever out. Does the, does the land do anything else? Let's read on. Five, tap, sacrifice five creatures. Oh, so all of your other creatures get plus five, plus five, or plus ten, plus ten. And you transform Westvale Abbey and then untap it. Transforming, what is this, Metroplex? And he turns into Ormondal Profane Prince. Yes, he swears lots. Who is a 9-7 flying, lifelinking, indestructible haste creature. Demon. Nice. Yes. And that just kind of happens to fit in with the deck. I love that stuff. Very, uh, very D&D of us to, let's go into that abbey to see if there's any treasure. Oh my god, it turned into a demon. (laughs) And now it's kicking our ass. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's excellent. I like that lots. One thing I did like about that block or set or whatever, I didn't really like it all that much. But every so often you get a cool gem like this. Yeah. Just a neat little card that'll just fit in there. I love love both times we went to Innistrad. Very, very top-down, very fantasy. Even even Rebecca likes Innistrad because everything in Innistrad is so recognizable. You know what they should have done if they wanted to make it more recognizable? Called it Ravenloft, and then we could have Strahd and all those guys because <laughs> that's where they got it. Just like how they got Amonkhet from Dark Sun. They're just taking their D&D campaigns and making magic sets out of them. Uh, well, they've, made, they've taken magic and made D&D out of it too. <laughs> they are the same company that makes yeah, both games. That's I think I'm that's saying. okay. Well, it's fine. It's just you can kind of see them doing that. And people are going, oh, this is so original. No. No, no it's, it's so not. fun. Yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that fantasy's been original since Tolkien wrote it in like the 30s. And even then, it wasn't that good. Oh, It's good now. You eat think. your hat. <laughs> I don't think Tolkien was that good. I think he was You lazy. heard it here first, CCO Nation. I think he was lazy. You should never end the pivotal conflict in your epic novel with Army of Ghosts. Ever. But he was the first guy to do it. Aspiring writers, if you ever think to yourself, so good. Army of Ghosts, just delete what you've written and quit. <laughs> Give up your dreams, you suck. Walk into that same chapel that Ormondal was in and get eaten. S- sacrifice yourself along with four of your friends. <laughs> Don't actually do that. But the moral of the story is Army of Ghosts, super lazy. Would be a sweet magic card, though. Speak, yes. Oh, yeah. Army of Ghosts. He would go like in um, the Obzadat deck or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what it would do. Would it be sweet? Hey, Procession of Souls, Spectral Procession. Yeah, I already have Army of Ghosts. I suppose. Speaking of super terrible, you mentioned it a a minute ago there. Let's do the Milk List. Yeah, I love Milk List. Let's do it. Okay, so the Milk List is, as per edhrec.com, 
the most popular cards per converted mana cost at any color combination today. Golgari, green, black. At the zero drop slot, Mana Crypt. No. Doesn't play it. At the one drop, Soul Ring. No. Doesn't play Soul Ring. Doesn't play a Soul Ring. I see you already have a finger up counting Soul Ring. I'm going to put said finger back down. Put that down. There it goes. That's the finger noise. Secure a Tribe Elder at two. Yes. Yes. The finger goes back up. Eternal Witness at three. No. Jared Golgari Lichlord at four. There it is, Evan. But he's not in here. Acidic Slime at five. Nope. Grave Titan at six. Nope. Shieldred the Whispering One at seven. Nope. AKA Swamp Bitch. Terastodon at eight. AKA Big, Big, Big Daddy, Daddy Butt Sex. Butt Sex. Not in there. In Garrick's Wake at nine. Nope. Kozlik Butcher of Truth at ten. Nope. Ulamog Infinite Guy at eleven. Nope. It the Betrays at twelve. Nope. Emercruel Promise at thirteen. Nope. Emercruel Eons Tron fifteen. Nope. Draco sixteen. Nope. Jeez. One. 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 Pretty good. Well done, Evan. Now cut that Sakura Tribe Elder. Go to zero. Yes. Yeah, play something else. Or keep it at one, cut the Secure Tribe Elder, put Jared Golgari Leech Lord in there. Yeah. I'm okay with that too. Or run, what? Run Explore. Okay, final section of the show. It's Spice Calculator time, isn't it, Ryan? It is. It's that time. Okay, so popularity at the time that the list was generated was 470 lists. And Jared is the eighth most popular Golgari commander. Oh, sorry, Mazurk is the eighth most popular Golgari guy on EDHREC.com. Underneath Jared, who we've talked about, Gliss of the Traitors, super surprising. Haraptra, like what is going on? Hapatra. Hapatra. Haraptra. You've got dinosaurs on the brain. Yes, I do. <laughs> That's so awesome. Oh, man, like why Why are all these commanders so, oh, they're so weird. Yeah. Oh, whatever, whatever. Whatever. Let's keep going, keep going. Okay, so average converted mana cost, 3.25. Nothing wrong with that. Excellent. Critical turn. I think the turn that you drop Masaryk is the turn that you want to try and start taking over the game on because realistically you could go turn five Masaryk followed up by sacrifice a bunch of guys, make Masaryk huge, turn six Voltron win. Yeah. We didn't talk about that, but that's a real thing. That could be a thing, yeah. Okay, optimal game size, four for the political disadvantage that this deck imposes on its player. Correct. Right? I think that's yeah. right. Also, now, it opens you up to having more people with more removal to kill Masaryk more times the more people that you add to your game. And the more people you add to the game specifically in those decks that are designed to play the big long game, they are going to have lots of wrath effects. Yeah. And that's just, this deck is weak to that because not only does it kill your token army, it kills your Masaryk. Uniqueness rating. Cards in Evan's deck that are different than EDHREC.com's stock list. 26. Pretty good. Um, Yeah, I think that's probably normal for a deck like this that wants you to do specifically one thing. It could probably, if you cut a bunch of the stuff and put in a bunch of different stuff, it probably wouldn't change that much if you want to do like hardcore sapperlings or hardcore sacrifice. I feel like if you went sapperlings or zombies, the number might go up just because sapperlings and zombies are significantly better supported than spawns and scions are. Oh, maybe. Well, and maybe maybe they go down. I, I didn't actually look because scions aren't very well supported. Maybe he he wanted to play something that was a little bit spicier. Good on you, Evan. Yeah. Yeah. Or bad on you if I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. Learn to stack your triggers faster also. <laughs> God damn it. One tutor in the deck. That was Birthing Pod. I guess all of that combined together gives us a spice rating of 44. That's pretty good. Yeah. See how high your spice rating gets when you're not loaded down with tutors? For sure. Oh, man. For sure. And you know what? If you wanted to build an off-the-wall Masaryk deck, like I talk about the 62 land Atagatog deck, if that uniqueness rating went up to, you know, 
uh, instead of 26, it was 36 or 46, you'd have a spiciness of like over 60. Dang. Yeah. And just by, instead of playing your common token generators, just take Masaryk down a little bit of a different path and play the stacks list where you specifically sacrifice everything and make everybody's life suck and then attack with Masaryk as a Voltron win, like a 21 general damage win yeah. dot deck. I think that that would be really cool. That'd be kind of neat, yeah. If anybody's got one of those in CCO Nation. Let us know. Send it on. For sure. Commandercoatcoat at gmail.com. Yes. No news. Well, we're a little crunched, so I will kind of give you my final thing as we are apt to do. We're going a little long on time like Evan does on his turns. <laughs> it's another shot at you, Evan. I'm glad that you're back from Botswana. Yeah. Tijuana? Botswana. Where is he? F- where the hell did he go? Sweden town? Switzerland? Norway. It was somewhere in Scandinavia. Greece? Uh, any of the Scandinavian listeners, if you saw Evan, let us know. Yeah. He's not hard to spot. He kind of is. He yeah, gla- he's he kind of short and his glasses. white and normal looking. Yeah, he's a good normal looking dude. Anyway, the point is, this deck is really sweet. And more than the deck, I think that Evan is a really good example of a young new-ish magic player who's really into the game, who takes like, his deck building fairly seriously, and he puts a lot of thought and care into crafting what he puts together in the first place and what he actually builds in paper. And I think that's very respectable, uh, and it's something that I don't do as much as I as I used to. Well, I think deck building kind of has transformed for you and I into an expression of whatever we want to feel when we're building said deck. Because, you know, we've built the Sacrifice deck before. You know, we built the Tokens deck before. We've kind of done and gone down that road. So now if we do something, we want to make it specifically different. And that was, um, I guess, the inception for this show. Correct. That's why we we have a show, so that we could build more off-the-wall crap and then not just, like, get destroyed by people who are playing stuff like Masaryk and we're playing something like Ooze Tribal. Foreshadowing. It is foreshadowing, maybe, to something we'll do on a later episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme song! Ooh.